Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of The Campfire Collection. I'm your host, Megan Slonsky, and today I invite you guys to gather around with us as my siblings and I are swapping stories from when we were little in the outdoors. Today I just kind of want to talk about back when we were younger and lived in Erie and all the different hunts we had, all the time we spent outside and outdoors, because I felt like that made us who we are today. We made a lot of long-lasting memories outside, and we were, of course, fortunate enough where we lived, and we not everybody has that, but I think even if you don't have that, you should still find a way to get outside or get exposed to the outdoors in some way. So I thought we should just chit chat and talk about some of the experiences we had and maybe it'll spark something in someone else and be like, hey, it sounds like their experiences are pretty cool. Maybe we should do that too. All right. So when we lived in Erie House, Erie, Pennsylvania, for a matter of fact. Today was the first cold day in Erie. It was very windy. Yesterday, two days ago, it was 80 degrees. Now today it's 50. Yeah, out Christmas. of nowhere, all the leaves are different colors, and it just it hit fall in a day. We had some great falls. I mean, me and you, Corny, a lot of times. We every opening day of deer season, we went out. Um, you always had one in the first 45 minutes. I mean, she, she has the luckiest slug ever. Oh, let's go hunting. Oh, I came back with one. Okay, good for you. It's like, I swear, when Courtney goes out, they just prance out in front of her and say shoot me please the only time where like i've come like when i've seen or heard that like when something just didn't come towards her was when we went on that antelope hunt she got hers in her third day third day i think we got them on the same day so <laughs> the last day then whenever we were there the last day because she dustin her got, dustin shot his first no, you killed yours out. first. No. Yes. I don't know. I missed. Remember, every time we go, every time we talk about hunting, oh, Dust went through half a box of ammunition on the Mexico hunt. Oh, come on. We had to act like cows walking, and I still don't believe my shot line. You're like, drilled, like, okay. So you you want to lean down and just drop your whole body, and you're going to walk together with me act like a cow. I'm like, okay, Dad. I don't know. It was, it was a very hard trip. It was... Physically and mentally demanding. Some days when I'm at, like Friday coming up, I have three practices in a day, and I'm still like, if I got through that antelope hunt, I could get through the three practices in a day. That was just. So why do you say so it's so physically demanding? What about the hunt that was so hard? Walking all the time, crawling. You're like crawling just, on cactuses at one point. I remember. Do you remember that? It was like a bunch of like, pokey stuff. I don't know. It hurt like really badly. You made us like crawl on the ground, army crawl. Hours of just walking and crawling, and because you're scouting, looking for them, and they're fast. So once you see it, if you're not if you're not ready at all times, they're gone. All hours. So I forget the guy's I forget the guy's name. But if you're out there listening to this right now, I am so sorry. You let me use your shoulder as like the stand I missed. You dealt with all me missing and all that. And if you're out there listening to this, I'm sorry. It was my first time shooting long. So yeah, if you're out there listening, I really appreciate your patience with me. <laughs> I mean So it sounds like 
you had to shoot at a very long range. I remember when we went to go shoot at the shooting range, they had to target like 200, 300 yards away and stuff. So you had to like aim up and so the bullet would drop and all that. Because you know physics and all that. We practiced that. So then we went there. And then, yeah, I believe I took more attempts at it, which I did get one. So I saw that matters. Sounds like it was a fun hunt. There was this elephant that was on the bed. It was like origami paper towels, paper towels, the towels, and they had the sunglasses. And I wore those sunglasses the whole time. Connie, Connie remembers the elephant, I think. I remember. It's just not relevant to anything. It was the key important part of the trip. See, I, I think it is relevant that you will always remember. You'll remember, okay, maybe not that, <laughs> but maybe a random origami thing. But you'll remember these experiences. You and Courtney did a lot of bonding on that trip, it mm-hmm. sounds like. Because we flew into Denver, and I remember the car ride. We stopped at this Mexican restaurant. It was pretty good food. It was in Colorado. Colorado, good food. How do you recommend it? What would you say was your favorite hunt of the hunts that we did? I think my first year I went to New Mexico was my favorite. If you had Dad on here, he'd probably say the second year was his, if I had to guess. But it wasn't because I shot it so much sooner than I did on the second one. But I don't know, I was younger, so it was a whole different experience. My first hunt, it was my first time, obviously, so everything was new. And so I guess the second time when I went, I had like expectations, but it was a totally different trip. Not saying I didn't enjoy it. I obviously did a lot, but we stayed in the same place both times. It was a lot of fun, something I'm going to remember forever. Yeah, the first time I shot the elk on the first day, I remember it sneaking up like so close to us. Like to my right side, it was right there. And then I didn't get it. And then either the same one or a different one came back and then I got it. The second trip took a few days. On your first day, it was very close to you guys. Yeah, it was, I thought I was going to come jumping <laughs> on us. And from me to my door right now over there. My favorite hunt. It's not my favorite because, like, oh, it was most fun, but was this one year, and we, it was in Erie, me and Dad went turkey hunting. I didn't get one, but the whole time, it was raining at, raining and thunderstorming at first. We sat under a tree, just waiting for a good two hours, and we got up and walked around for another two hours, didn't see anything, and then we went another two hours, two or three hours, and started the snow. We still walked around, and on our way back to the truck, we noticed um, turkey tracks right right behind where we walked like two hours ago. I say that home was probably like my my favorite. I guess you'd say it was my favorite because it made me how hard working or how mentally tough I was able to still go through that, even though at the end it just sucked knowing it was literally right behind us the whole time. But you learned from it. You, yes, thank you. <laughs> thank you. From my first New Mexico hunt, the elk hunt, I killed mine on the first day. Because we 
We scouted it out. It was not too far from. Am I the only one that didn't kill theirs on the first my, day? But my, we scouted it out. It was there by this pond thing, and we're like, okay, it stuck around there for a while. So like, okay, we'll come back tomorrow morning. So it'll probably be there. It, it was there, and I remember parking the truck down the road, like I don't know, a few hundred yards, and I like sneaking up, and I, I put the sticks. So it was like on this little mound. So I shot across the pond. I remember I was like shaking when I killed it too. I didn't I know I didn't think I was gonna kill it because You were nervous. I was nervous, yeah. And I remember I shot once, I hit it, and this is something I think about I think about maybe twice a week was when the elk it started to call out as it was like walking into the water and I it had like its head back and all that, you know, like how it looks bugling. like bugling, thank you. And the head back and the sun was coming up and it was I saw it through the scope, so I was looking through the scope when this happened, and it was probably the most, like, craziest picture I've ever seen, because it seemed like something you'd see, like, in a movie, how the sky was all the pinks, the blues, the yellows, the reds, the oranges, and then this, it's in the water bugling, so then I almost forgot to shoot again. <laughs> I was like, oh, wow, this is pretty neat. I'm like, oh, crap! Then I shot again, and then it died. I remember Dad had a lasso it, he cannot lasso. I know you're going to listen to this. You tried your best. We were there for a good 20 minutes. Because it was in the water. You know, I seen the horn sticking out. So he's like, okay, I'm going to get this. 20 minutes later, he finally gets it. I don't remember which day it was. Like the third day about I shot the elk. And we went to find it. We were searching forever trying to find this thing. Could not find it. But we were both convinced that I killed it because where I hit it and it just should have it just should have been dead so we ended up giving up looking and I was so mad I at this point I was exhausted from hunting for multiple days I kind of just wanted to be done because as a kid it's not the easiest thing hunting for multiple days and you're just kind of just want to rest. I'm just dead. So the next day we get up and it's raining and we're kind of just, he's like, do you want to go back out and look for it? I'm like, well, yeah. So we did and we looked for a while again. And then he, my dad, our dad, he hears like the raven crow. He keeps hearing it and he follows the sound, follows it. And then once he found the raven in the tree, he looked down and the elk was right there dead. That's just such a unique story. And that's just something you're going to remember and probably be telling your kids and your kids' kids. Or maybe if you don't have kids, maybe just some random kids on the street. But you'll be telling everybody. You hear that raven? We're what now? Fourth generation hunters? Yeah, four. That's yeah. pretty. That's pretty unique. So there's this place in Pennsylvania called Tom Ridge Center. And this isn't really relevant to what we're talking about, but it kind of is. And so the parking lot is made to be accepting to wildlife animals. There's trees and like, I don't know, I forget exactly what it's called, but there's a specific term for it. And so a research study was done through my school and my MCB professor, where they were tracking what animals were coming into the Tom Ridge Center parking lot to these spots. 
and they were finding all different kinds of wildlife deer squirrels random other small creatures one night a black bear came to the tarman center parking lot that's cool that's so random there was a panther on my elementary school one time where badger mountain what state were we in washington i do not believe you <laughs> this happened because it happened before i was at the crossing guard i was a little crossing guard dude i was in the middle of school i was like oh man i'm a crossing guard how cool and then i remember walking i was like what is that because you know we went they were elementary school we're like oh my god we all thought we were going to die obviously and it was this big it wasn't like huge but it was this big thing i was like oh what is that we're like we think it's like this bobcat i'm like oh there's a panther take notes people too this is my opinion because it hit me I've talked to Dad about this lately, too. We take the, like, outdoors and all that for granted and everything. Because I remember, I'm sure Courtney remembers she might, because I talked about the scope, and then the first day of our antelope hunt, we climbed this little mountain hill thing, and it was, like, right at dawn, and then, like, the whole, around us, the whole sky was lit up with these different colors. I don't know if she remembers this. The main one of the main things that took out of hunting to be um patient and all that because the amount of times <laughs> I stood in the in the freezing, but in the moments like I had in the outdoors is like looking around was just probably things I'll keep throughout of my life because I think and I think about this and I think about all this climate change stuff happening and we take it for granted and all that in wildlife that I didn't realize had such a big effect on us humans were bats. Bats. Whoever ate that bat in bats. China, I'm getting hands with you guys. Bats, a bat, a single bat itself eats up to 500 to 600 insects a night. Did you learn this in your bio class? I held one today. It was dead. <laughs> Does that make you bat woman? So good for the environment. Don't be scared of them. Yeah, they could give you rabies. It's only because they are more prone to come into houses. That's why more people get rabies from bats than other wildlife. I might remember. Remember when we would camp out uh, in Erie in the camper in our backyard? We had that y- Disney Yahtzee game. I remember that. Every time we would pull out the camper for camping season, we would pull it out. We'd camp out there, and we'd spend days out there. You guys would always pull me. That's, that's you guys would always make me sleep on that couch, push me off the side. <laughs> well, yeah, you were the youngest. So pop-up campers aren't really a thing anymore. They seem to be a thing of the past now. Because yeah. everyone has RVs and stuff. Yeah, because everybody's practically making homes outside with RVs. If you are camping with an RV, you are not a real camper. I'm putting that out there. We could sleep in the pop-out camper. We would practically live out there for multiple days. Mm-hmm. We would not go in the house unless yeah. we had to go to the bathroom. I yeah. didn't. I didn't go in the house to go to the bathroom. Congratulations, Dustin. <laughs> Thanks, Courtney. This is what makes me the man I am today. What was the song about the camper? Do you remember? We're going to the camper, the, the camper, camper, the camper. We're going, going to the camper. Hooray, hooray, hooray. I haven't thought about this since like I was like, that's pop up in my head. That's crazy. Yeah. Corny's like, I don't remember that song. Me, Corny, the ones that made it up. She remembers it. 
Mm-hmm. I'm surprised. I Every time we would go camping, we'd sing it for I... hours. So growing up, when we were not allowed to have video games or something that I didn't want us to do because why sit in front of the television all day playing stupid video games when you could be outside doing something better, more educational, better for you, all, mm-hmm. all just better use of your time. I was, I told my roommates that like, I was not a video games growing up and they thought it was crazy ever, but I thought about it for a while and I've always known that. I've always been okay with not having video games, never playing video games. I don't know. I'm very glad that we live where we live, where we could go outside and just use our time better in, in general. I agree with that because when people on my football team, people at school, is like, yo, Dustin, what do you have? I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, you got a PS4 and Xbox. I'm like, I don't have anything. He's like, really? I'm like, yeah. And when we lived in Erie, in the summers, it would be wake up, eat breakfast, go on the four-wheeler for a couple hours. Go on the trampoline for a couple hours. Go play basketball on the steel. Go Steelers basketball. All right, stay outside. Yeah, we just stay outside. We'd only go in if we had. A, you two had to go to the bathroom because I used the trees. Exactly. It wasn't always hunting and fishing either. We were outside doing other things. Like Courtney was on the trampoline. We attempted to be on the trampoline. We were not gymnasts, so oh my God. It, it was just us we, jumping up and down. We would we would play basketball at night. We would play knockout. <laughs> <laughs> drop kick your ball but yes i think video games are extremely addictive and if we would have them when we were very young like many kids do not even video games cell phones too we didn't get cell phones let me rephrase we didn't get a smartphone like, until high school like 13 or 14 i didn't get a smartphone with google and everything else until high school. I did get a cell phone yeah, like the slide in fifth, up blue sixth one. grade. I mm-hmm. had the slide up one. I was rocking that thing until <laughs> almost sophomore year. So I think the all those things are super addictive and we would not have the moment of spent the time outside and we wouldn't have bonded with each other the way we did. As much as like you got you and Courtney were just like and dad, drop pick my basketball, make me run across, say, oh, I'm leaving, make me run across the driveway. Those moments, like, I'm, I wouldn't have had those moments if I was just kind of sitting there inside all day. It's like, that kind of made me, it just made me appreciate, like, outside more. Like, I love, I'd much rather be outside than this, in my opinion. I'm, I would rather be, Sadly, this um, whole coronavirus thing happened, so we couldn't go anywhere. But I'd ra- I'd much rather be like, "Hey, want to go play some football? We'll go out to the field, to play some football." It's better than just sitting inside, being bored, and doing nothing. There is not a problem with video games in moderation, but very few people can play them in moderation. The amount of time they play them. So. I don't think I've seen anyone that has been able to just say, "Oh, I'm going to play the game once and I'm done." They yeah. get on there and play it five, six, seven times, and they're on it for hours at a time. Mm-hmm. There's no one that goes on there and just plays one game and they're done. Mm-hmm. So if we were exposed to that at third grade, fourth grade level, even mm-hmm. younger, we would not be sitting here having this conversation about 
going and swimming at Connie and Steve's pond for hours and having cookouts in the backyard. I look back on it. I don't know why I was so scared to jump off of that diving board. Well, I never really like learned how to swim until I was like thir- I never learned how to swim until I was like thirteen. You learned how to swim before that. When? If you would have jumped off the diving board, you would have. First exactly. off, exactly. Second off, you definitely knew how to swim way before thirteen. I'm talking about like full on, like actually know how to swim. I got these little dog yes. paddle. You knew how to swim correctly way before thirteen. Alright, because I remember ever even when we were still in Erie at like, yeah, I think you're out at thirteen. I was like, way is way before thirteen. You knew how to swim. That was another thing. Dad always dad taught us how to swim. People that are my age and older that can't swim is ridiculous. I know some girls I played basketball with that couldn't swim. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, like... I'm not gonna judge them, but I'm judging them. There's, I know, there's. <laughs> There's still people out there like you. I saw this interview for like NBA players, and some of them don't even know how to swim. Like sometimes that's just shocking because it's like they can be fully functioning adults. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with them. It just blows my mind that they that, that there's people out there that can't swim. I don't know. It's another outdoors thing that just swim. This has been the Campfire Collection. As the West Coast struggles with the continuing wildfires, the United Ways of the Pacific Northwest has set up an emergency relief and recovery fund. See the link in the description to donate today. Stay safe, everyone.